0: Hello, this is Roy Lilly. Um, Well, the furore over the despicable treatment of Martha and her mother, Guardian journalist Murrock Mills, continues to rumble on. Martha died, you'll remember, at King's College Hospital in London, ostensibly sepsis, but as far as I can see, actually institutional insouciance and very poor medical management. If there's any justice in this world, King's would be obliged to erect a 100-foot banner outside its entrance proclaiming, we killed Martha and we are humbled and deeply sorry. It looks to me key players in this tragedy are still working at King's and should have to walk past the sign every day. You might ask why they're still in the NHS at all. The Coroner's Prevention of Future Deaths Report is a brief document and really disguises a rat's nest um i linked to it in the email this morning and um, but there's a, a better and quite brief uh upsum of the bigger picture that i linked to as well which is worth a read if you get the time i've always been a proponent of transparency encouraging people to come forward if they make an honest mistake tell us i've said you know we'll learn make sure it doesn't happen again the catastrophe at king's is not in that league. It's in a class of its own. These are not honest mistakes. Everything done was deliberate. The on-call consultant stayed at home. Can't be right, can it? Delayed transfers of care. Why? Disregarding parents. Unforgivable. It's a horrible catalogue structural fault. I guess personality clashes, lack of supervision, poor record alignment, inadequate escalation procedures, key training opportunities missed, a board asleep at the wheel. A young girl is dead. The way things worked at Kings killed her. It's rare a company or trust is charged with corporate manslaughter. In order to be found guilty, all of the following must be, provo- must be proved. The defendant is a qualifying organisation. The organisation owed a relevant duty of care to the deceased. There was a gross breach of that duty by the organisation. The way in which its activities were managed or organised by its senior management was a substantial element in the breach, and the gross breach of the organisation's duty caused or contributed to the death. Well, for a sympathetic lawyer, it has to be worth a try. Martha's mum wants a new law, entitling patients to a second opinion, something which she was denied. The useless GMC states, quote, All doctors must respect the patient's right to seek a second opinion. Fat lot of good they've done. Yesterday, the excellent Health Service Journal published an interview, which I linked to this morning, with somebody called Rosie Bennyworth. Now, she's been the Health Service Investigation Branch interim boss, and she'll now lead the organisation to becoming an independent body. The HSIB had a difficult birth, internal argy-bargy, bullying, sexism, racism. Frankly, I'd have closed it down, but we are where we are. Ms. Bennyworth says, I think it's fundamental that ICSs put safety at the core of everything they do. I don't think operational or financial decisions should be made without considering the implications for safety. This is naive claptrap and one of the reasons none of the regulatory mechanisms work. Regulator tunnel vision can't or won't acknowledge the bigger picture because they know system failure is the root cause and it's beyond their purview. They're powerless and redundant. And As the HSJ points out, and I quote, 14 out of 42 ICSs are forecasting deficits and subject to NHS England's financial control regime and of the rules of which limit their spending on staffing. See that, Rosie? Rules that limit their staffing mean anything to you? And Rosie, how about 4 in 10 ICBs have no formal patient involvement? Ever wonder why? The NHS is systemically unsafe because it's overtrading, doing more work than it's resourced for. Nothing will change. And how do I know? Because after years of the CQC stomping around, inspecting and destroying morale, the NHS is obviously no safer. Because governance, patient safety and quality are a preoccupation of NHS England, but it makes no difference. Because there are over 126 organisations who exert some regulatory influence on NHS providers, plus the 40-odd ICBs, makes no difference, they all overlap. And because Royal Colleges, Regulators, the GMC and NMC often puff and preen, but in reality, make us no safer. I've had an overwhelming response to this sad story, and thank you all. If I haven't replied yet, I will. This is from a reader, and I quote, I investigated serious incidents, often accompanied by a complaint. The reports were scrutinised and changed by managers, sent to the then CCG and became a light touch of what truly happened. No one was reprimanded. No one ever managed to prevent it happening again. It is still happening up and down the country now. No one wants to tell the truth. Well, years and layers of regulation, laws, guidance, organisations, people, managers, none of it will make a difference because from top to bottom, the NHS is mesmerised with its relationship with reputation and won't change anything until it dumps the regulatory junkyard and makes a solemn and sincere commitment from the bottom up to establishing a reputation for its relationship with the truth. Thanks for listening and uh, I hope to speak to you again real soon. Bye-bye.